والصلاه والسلام على رسول الله وعلى اله وصحبه اجمعين رب اشرح لي صدري ويسر لي امري واحلل عقده من لساني يفقهوا قولي thank you so much for joining in on this extremely important topic you know um i think that all of us really um one thing that that we've we've all pretty much noticed is that the topic of mental health is the new hot topic and i think that you know with all this discussion about mental health it's sometimes difficult to understand you know what does it really mean for a muslim you know first of all what does mental health mean and then what does it mean specifically within the context of a muslim's you know um you know the the, the journey that we take as as believers back to allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and and where uh you know in the grand scheme of things in terms of our goals uh our our short term goals as muslims but then our long term goal how does it fall uh you know where does it fall in that long term goal uh which which we of course is to please allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to be with allah subhanahu wa ta'ala in the hereafter to be successful uh in the hereafter right we we have this very clear definition of what success is in the quran woman zuhziha anin nar wa udkhila aljanna faqad faz so very very clear a uh, clean cut you know very clear definition of what success really is because you know we all want success but what does success really mean allah subhanahu wa ta'ala tells us in the quran what it means woman zuhziha anin nar wa udkhila aljanna faqad faz that whoever is just barely saved from the hellfire and enters into paradise has indeed succeeded that is fawz that is success and so you know in talking about mental health where does that fit where does that you know how does that um you know fit in terms of the grander uh, goal that we have as muslims and are there certain uh, you know aspects of of the mental health discussion that is unique uh, to us as believers So this is a huge topic of course and and you know this is just meant to be inshallah just some you know some snapshots kind of uh into this discussion uh which which alhamdulillah is 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 a lot of of this is happening you know um you know throughout our community a lot more which is which is a great thing you know this is one of the first uh sort of issues that I want to start off with is that there is of course a lot of still a lot of stigma when it comes to the discussion of mental health right there's still a lot of these um false slogans if if you will uh regarding mental health you know we we still have a lot of that going around things um you know false slogans like a believer will never feel sad right things like that that sadness is from shaitan you know wh- at what point do these types of slogans actually become quite toxic uh you know in 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 this discussion So to start off I want to just um you know kind of just talk very generally about the idea of mental health. A lot of times people confuse the the topic of mental health with mental illness. So a lot of times when when this discussion, you know, maybe even some people saw the title of this talk and they thought, well, that has nothing to do with me, right? Because I am mentally um you know, I I don't have mental illness and therefore the discussion of mental health is not relevant to me but i think it's very important to distinguish between the concept of mental illness versus overall mental health you know when we talk about mental health and this is also um you know when you when you look in 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 the psychology research now uh, and in the trends that we're seeing in in psychology 
they have, you know, psychology um, researchers and, 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 and experts have, have moved away a lot from the discussion or the sort of the narrowing of this topic to just mental illness. You know, you know, when you look at the, the new wave of psychology, which is positive psychology, you find that it's different than sort of, you know, in the past, the old sort of psychology has been very much focused on disease, right? So what can go wrong? What's the worst thing that can happen, you know, um, in terms of a person's mental health? What are some of the illnesses and the diseases that can, that, that can occur? Here are the symptoms and then here are some of the treatments. And then, of course, there are different disciplines and different uh, philosophies um, when it comes to what is, you know, uh, what is mental health and what is it, where does illness come from? And then what types of treatment uh, options do we do we take? So so there are definitely different, you know, there, there's there's different disciplines and different theories. You know, you have the biological uh, you know, you have the cognitive that, that sort of that 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 use more CBT or cognitive behavioral therapists. So you have the, you know you have the, the 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 ones that really use more psychotherapy. So there are different different theories and different approaches to to mental illness. But by and large, there's been a shift where now a lot of the research looks more at positive psychology, which is which is more about overall mental health, not just looking at, you know, what can go wrong, you know, what, what, what type of illness, um, you know, might, might occur, here are the symptoms, here are the treatments, but more of an overall, how can we all, everyone, um, sort of improve our, our health, our resilience, our happiness, our, uh, how can we flourish? So there's this new concept called flourishing. And it's this idea of how to really improve the quality of our lives by and large, not just talking about illness, not just talking about, you know, how do we treat illness, but rather how can we really improve the quality of our lives in general and, and for all people, right? So, so the discussion of mental health is actually relevant to all of us. It's, it's about how can we live more fulfilling lives? How can we live um, more mentally and emotionally healthy lives? How can we have healthier relationships? How can we have, you know, how can we basically live in a way where we learn resilience? That's a big, that's a big term now. The concept of, uh, you know, how to be basically bounce back when, when you go through difficulties, when you go through challenges, how to deal with stress. These are all really relevant to all of us. Uh, regardless of ill, you know, without, um, you know, taking, tying in illness, but rather just how can we improve our health mentally, emotionally, psychologically. And what I want to sort of touch about, touch upon as well, because this is, of course, um, within the relevance of, of Muslim mental health, right, is, is how can we incorporate spiritual health? And how does that tie in with our psychological and emotional health? Now, this is, sort of brings me uh, to sort of the main point that I want to leave you with today. And of course, this is just, um, you know, a very short sort of uh, snippet about the, the topic. But one point that I want to leave you with is if there's anything that we can inshallah take home, I hope that it's this. And that is that the human being is not, is, is not just simplistically one element. We can't just look at a human being and say 
that the human is only biological, that the human is only made up of neurotransmitters and chemicals and organs, right? The human being is not simply the biology. And we know as believers that the human being also has a soul, that, that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala created the ruh. And he talks about it in the Quran. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala uh, created the nafs. And, and Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala discusses that there are various types of nufus in the Quran, right? That Allah says, you know, there are three types of nufus uh, in the Quran. And nafs al-mutma'inna is the type of nafs that we all strive uh, to have. And that is the, the nafs of the believer. That is, mutma'inna, it's at peace with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Uh, it has that contentment with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala through the obedience to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And nafs al-lawama is, is the nafs Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala uh, mentions in the Quran, which means the self-reproaching nafs. Now, self-reproaching here meaning that, you know, it, 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 it holds itself accountable, but also, um, you know, gets off track. Uh, and it's, it's sort of, it's this sort of this back and forth struggle. And then there's a nafs al-ammara bisu. This is the nafs where typically when you see in the, in the, in the literature, specifically uh, the Islamic spiritual literature. When you see nafs being used sort of on its own uh, in the literature, it's usually referring to the nafs al-ammara bisu, which is the lower nafs. Um, we all, and then there are different um, interpretations, uh, you know, that the scholars have when it comes to uh, what type of nafs does one individual person have, where some, you know, some will say that we, we all, um, we may not just be one category, but we may um, alternate between these nafus depending on, on what our state is uh, and, and depending on our spiritual work and our spiritual struggle. So it isn't that one person is just, okay, this person is has a bad nafs and so they'll always be bad. Or this person has a good nafs and they'll always be good. But rather it's a consistent, uh, it's consistent work. It's, consi it's a consistent struggle in order to purify the nafs, because we all have all of these elements within us. Everyone has an element of nafs al-ammara bisu, meaning, meaning there's, no, there's no person who um, you know, gets to a point where they never have any um, whispering inside of them. There's no, there's no human being that can get to a point where they're like, okay, I've reached such a spiritual high that I no longer have to struggle spiritually, right? I am um, and I don't have any struggle. No, we always are going to have to continuously struggle against the lower self because we all have a lower self. Everybody has a lower self. The difference between somebody who has disciplined that self and someone who has not is that that lower self, the nafs al-ammara, actually becomes um, weakened. And so the individual has control over the lower self rather than the lower self having control over the individual. And that's really the struggle of, of, of the believer is to subjugate the lower self, to subjugate a nafs al-ammara bisu, the lower nafs, which basically just wants the sort of the, the physical uh, pleasure, who just looks for dunya, who looks for immediate uh, you know, gains. And, and the nafs al-ammara bisu is the one that, um, you know, there are different um, sort of manifestations of this lower self, but some people have a type of lower self where they like to dominate, 
Other people have a, a type of lower self where they just, uh, you know, it referred to behemoth, uh, which is basically a nefs that just wants like um, like cattle, you know, the, the type of lower self where maybe they're not as interested in dominating others, but are more interested in eating, sleeping and, you know, reproducing like the more of the physical uh, type of urges, right? But all of us have some sort of lower nefs. Now, um, having said that, we have this spiritual element, right? We have the ruh, we have the, the soul, and we have the nefs, uh, the, the, the lower uh, self and the, and the other sort of stages that we can bring our, our nefs to. And then there's also the qalb, the heart, right? This is the spiritual heart. We have obviously the physical heart, which, which, which we mentioned um, part of the biology, but we also have a spiritual heart. And this Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala talks about in the Quran. The Prophet ﷺ talks about in the hadith. You know, where the, there's one very famous hadith in which the Prophet ﷺ says, Inna fil jasadi mudgha. Iza salahat salahal jasadu kullu. That indeed in the body there's a lump of flesh. And if that lump of flesh is set right, then the entire body will be set right. Right? Inna fil jasadi mudgha. Iza salahat salahal jasadu kullu. And if that lump of flesh is corrupted, then the entire body will be corrupted. Indeed, it is the heart. So we see here from this hadith, foundational hadith, by the way, a very important hadith, because this hadith explains the, the, the role of the heart, the, the qalb, that the, that the qalb is actually what drives the individual. That if you purify the heart, then everything else follows. The actions will be purified. And if the heart is corrupted, then the actions will also be corrupted. So here we see that the, the, the importance of the heart. In another uh, reference in the Quran, where Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala tells us on the tongue of Ibrahim alayhi salam, وَلَا تُخْزِنِ يَوْمَ يُبْعَثُونَ يَوْمَ لَا يَنْفَعُ مَالٌ وَلَا بَنُونَ إِلَّا مَنْ أَتَى اللَّهَ بِقَلْبٍ Ibrahim alayhi salam is this, Beautiful extended dua in the Quran. Do not disgrace me on the day when everyone will, will be brought back. The day when, when nothing will benefit anyone from wealth or children. Except for the one who comes back to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala with a heart that is sound, with a heart that is healthy. And so you see here the importance of the spiritual heart and the, the spiritual health, that this cannot be ignored when looking at the human being holistically. And that is the key word here, is that we have to look at the human being holistically. And this is where we differ as believers and as Muslims, is that we do not believe that the human is just a, a mind or just a body, but the human is also a soul and is also a heart. And that the heart and the soul are essential to the overall health of that human being. Now, this is where I want to sort of debunk some of the myths um, that, that we have about, uh, you know, this discussion of mental health. One of the myths uh, that is very common is that as long as a person is healthy spiritually, meaning they, you know, they read Quran, they, they pray they have really strong iman. There is this myth 
that as long as a person is healthy spiritually, they should also be healthy psychologically uh, by definition. Now, the reason why this is an incomplete understanding is that it ignores the other elements of the human being. Now, remember, I mentioned that we need to look at the human beings holistically. So the human, we said, is not simply just the biology and the physical, but the human being is also not only simply the spiritual. So we are made up of, of, of the spiritual self. Yes, we have a ruh, we have a soul, we have a nafs, we have a qalb, but we also have the body. And we also have another element to the human being, and that is the aql or the mind. And this is the cognition. This is the way we think, the cognitive side of the human being, which is equally important in, in this entire holistic discussion of mental health and of essentially being healthy overall. And so now, so far, we've talked about three different elements of the human being. We've talked about the biology, the physical element of the human being. We've talked about the spiritual, uh, you know, briefly, we've, we've said that we are, we, we have our soul, we have our spiritual heart, and we have our uh, nefs, which pulls us uh, down in, in the sense of the lower, the lower desires. By the way, as a side note, one of the, um, the purposes of siyam, of fasting, is to actually subjugate the nefs, is to, is to weaken the lower nefs. And you can think about why is that? Well, because the things that the nefs crave, the lower self craves, food, intimacy, you know, drink, all of those things are withheld from the nefs. And so fasting is actually one of the best ways to subjugate the nefs, to, to um, weaken the lower self, and in that way strengthen the, the, the spiritual um, driver, which is the qalb, the heart. Okay. So, and, and when you do that, when you weaken the nefs and you strengthen the spiritual driver, the qalb, then it brings that individual uh, uh, nearer to being, uh, you know, the nefs al-mutma'inna that's talked about in Surah Al-Fajr. Where Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, Ya ayyatuha nafsu mutma'inna irji'i ila rabbihi radiyatan mardiyya fadkhuli fi ibadi wadkhuli jannati. So when Allah calls out to this nafs, the one, the nafs al-mutma'inna, this healthy spiritual nafs, He calls out to the nafs al-mutma'inna irji'i ila rabbihi radiyatan mardiyya that come back to your Lord. You are pleased and you've pleased Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So it's a two-way that you, you have been pleasing to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and Allah has also pleased you and then Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says uh, that enter with my slaves rather enter with my slaves and enter my jannah another side note here I want to point out really powerful message in the Quran is that the importance of companionship the importance of good companionship and inshallah this will actually bring me to the fourth element of the human being Look at what Allah says here. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala here does not just talk, you know, he's addressing the nafs al-mutma'inna, but he does not just talk about Jannah. You know, he doesn't just say enter Jannah, you know, be with the angels, be with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, like the greatest companionship, right? But he said, he said, um, you know, So, you know, first he says, you know, return back to your Lord. And, and by the way, he doesn't say come to, the, come to your Lord. He says return to your Lord. So this is also 
Of course, every word that Allah uses is very specific. Uh, and, and so the word irji'i doesn't, it means uh, to return. And so that's important because Allah could have said, you know, um, enter, it could have said, go to your Lord, right? Idhab, um, right? But he said irja, and irja is to return, meaning that our original home is with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, that our original place is with God, that our original home is Jannah, right, where our father um, Adam alayhi salam began. And so to the nafs al-mutma'inna, it's just coming home. It's, it's a returning back home, right? There was a stop at, in dunya. It was like a, a rest stop on the journey. You know, you're going on the, on the highway, on the motorway, and, and you stop off to get coffee or you stop off at a rest area. It's a limited stop on your journey, but then you return back home. And so this dunya is that stop, right? But then Allah calls the believer to return. And so it's so beautiful because Allah says, irja'i, right? Now Allah says, come back to your Lord. But then he doesn't just leave it there and then say, okay, enter Jannah. But in there, Allah says, is, he says, enter with my slave. And so there's, you, you see here, subhanAllah, that part of the beauty of Jannah and really part of the, 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 the glimpses of beauty in this life is good companionship, is having good, righteous companionship. And that brings me to the fourth point, which is that the human being, the elements that affect our mental health overall are all of these things, our biology. How healthy are we biologically, right? Are there deficiencies in a certain chemical, a certain hormone, a certain neurotransmitter? In terms of our spiritual health, how healthy are we spiritually? You know, this, this, this idea that as long as you have Iman, you should never feel sad. It is incomplete. Why? Because Iman is necessary, but not sufficient. Meaning that it is one of the elements in the holistic health of the human being. But it isn't the only element. Meaning, if a person is unhealthy mentally, if a person is unhealthy in their thinking, uh, cognitively unhealthy, if a person has been through trauma and it is unhealed trauma, if a person is not healthy physically, uh, but that person prays day and night, and that person reads Quran day and night, they will not be healthy overall because they are not healthy in one of the other elements uh, of the human being. And in this case, it may be their biology or it may be their thinking, that their cognition is not healthy. And I mentioned something important here. And of course, we don't have time to, to really um, to do it justice. Uh, but I mentioned unhealed trauma. So, so unhealed trauma is something that affects the whole of the human being. And the whole of their life. And this is something a lot of people don't recognize. You know, there's this idea, again, that as long as you pray, as long as you read Quran, then you should just be able to just, you know, get over it or get on with your life. You know, why, why, are, you, why are you depressed? Why are you having anxiety? When the reality is that there was something in the past, some sort of trauma that was unhealed that was untreated. And that really, um, you know, actually the, the, one of the, the, the themes of my tour here in the UK, uh, I'm actually in the UK now, and one of the themes of my tour uh, this time around is going to be, inshallah, a look at trauma 
and narcissism in specific as a case study uh, in the Quran and, and obviously from a psychological lens. Because this is something that, that for so long, you know, within our, our own um, sort of discourse in our own communities, is it's just been ignored in the sense of, of that what effect, you know, our childhood, uh, you know, abuse uh, in our childhood or even any t- sort of trauma from the past, what effect that has on the individual several decades later even. You know, and people don't don't make that connection that, you know, and they don't understand maybe why, why can't I be happy? You know, why can't I have a healthy relationship? Why do I have trust issues? Why am I depressed? Why do I have so much anxiety? You know, why can't I just be happy in my marriage? Or why can't I be, you know, why can't I trust people? And, and, and you know, I, I read Quran, I, I pray, I fast, I'm a believer. Why can't I be happy? And a lot of times what they don't recognize is that there is unhealed trauma. There is actually abuse uh, in, in, in some, at some point, maybe in their childhood or, or maybe in their past. Sometimes it's a previous relationship that was very abusive and they have not healed from that trauma. And, and therapy is necessary often in these cases in order to heal that trauma. So that's one of the elements of the human being that needs to be healthy before the person can holistically be healthy. We can't say that just reading Quran, of course, the Quran is a healing, definitely. But we have to also recognize that there is the psychological element uh, and, 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 and sometimes it's the trauma that hasn't been healed, which is keeping that individual um, you know, depressed or, or suffering from anxiety or not able to flourish in their life and in their relationship. So it's not only about the spiritual, but also the psychological has to be healthy and thriving as well. And then finally, um, the fourth element has to do with companionship. It has to do with our environment. You know, a person can be perfectly healthy spiritually and be perfectly healthy physically and even be perfectly healthy, uh, you know, uh, like, like mentally. But if they are living in an abusive home or they are living in a toxic environment or they are surrounded by friends, companions that aren't good company, then they will not be able to, to flourish. They will not be able to be holistically healthy. So our environment also has to be healthy in order for us to have this overall um, you know, mental health. So mental health is kind of a big term um, you know, for the believer, as, as I mentioned, we have to take into account the spiritual aspect in addition to the biological and the cognitive and the environmental. So inshallah, this is something that I'm, I'm covering more in my tour. I'm, I'm really, really happy to be in the UK again. Alhamdulillah, it's a little cold, but alhamdulillah, I'm, 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 I'm grateful to be here. Alhamdulillah. Um, and, and, and honestly, um, you guys have the most amazing trifle uh, in the world. Uh, and I just come here and I just go <laughs> to the Sainsbury's or to the Tesco, get the trifle. And I feel like I've gotten a glimpse of Jenna. And that's like not too much of an exaggeration. So alhamdulillah, I'm happy. Um, but, I'm, but I'm happier that inshallah, I'm going to be starting my, my tour this Friday, inshallah, in London. Um, you know, the, the, the topic, as I mentioned, I'm going to be talking about this study of trauma and narcissism as a case study in the Quran. Uh, and, and just and just how to sort of, you know, again, through the Islamic lens, as well as from the psychological lens. Um, Friday, 
is actually already sold out, but there are still uh, um, I've told I'm told there are still seats. Uh, there's still spots available for the full day course that I will be doing in London, inshallah, at the end of the tour. Um, so um, all the details, inshallah, are are at alburujpress.com. Um, I'll also be going to so if I can remember, yes. So I'm going to Bradford, inshallah. I'll be in Bradford on Saturday. I believe Bradford has also sold out. Um, however, inshallah, I will be um, on in Leicester on Sunday, and then the following weekend. So that's this Friday, Saturday, Sunday. Um, the following weekend, uh, I will be in Manchester on Friday, uh, and then I will be in Birmingham, inshallah, and then ending the full day course in London, inshallah. So we still have spots available in Manchester uh, and in Birmingham, and for the full day course in London, uh, and we have a few spots uh, left in Leicester. So inshallah. Um, this is a, you know, it's, it's an exciting topic. Um, it's the first time I'm, I'm teaching this topic. And I'm excited because, I, like I said, I think it's something that we, we really have overlooked. Uh, and it's something that, that, that there's, it's just, it's just, it's something that everyone's sort of um, discussing. But how do we really look at the Quran and see, you know, does Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala give us a direction about these things in the Quran? So inshallah, um, if, if you are interested, inshallah, sign up for that. Uh, for those of you who are not in the UK, I want to also just share uh, one other. Uh, sorry, this is this this uh, live that I'm doing right now. This is something that I do uh, actually on a regular basis, exclusively for my students on uh, YasminMujahidTV.com. So people who uh, who who sign up for you, and you can sign up for YasminMujahidTV.com, um, the TV channel from anywhere in the world. And and the thing that makes it so sort of interactive is that I, I, I have these uh, live Q&As, but where I teach uh, for a portion of it, and then, I, and then as I'm going to do today, inshallah, I'll take some time uh, and I'll take live questions. And, but this is something that I do uh, every single, like on a regular basis, uh, for, but it's exclusively for, for, for people who sign up. Uh, and the other thing that's really, really like, sort of like revolutionary for me is that it's one place that has all my material, um, just just sort of centralized. Almost all of the tours that I've done uh, for the last decade, uh, the courses that I've done, uh, you know, all of these classes that I've been sort of uh, throughout the years, they're, they've all been, alhamdulillah, vast majority of them have been recorded and they're only available uh, at this, uh, on yesmujahidtv.com. So they're not available uh, on, on YouTube, but they're less exclusive classes uh, that I've done throughout throughout the world, different tours, and and then there's the exclusive uh, live session. So um, if you're interested, there is there is the link um, here. What I'll do, I think now, is go ahead and um, open it up for questions. Inshallah, I, I'll take a few live questions. I'll do my best uh, to take a few live questions now. Inshallah, I don't see any yet, but I think they're coming through. Okay, inshallah. So as we're waiting for the questions to come through, um, let me see. All right. So just a, just one other, you know, some other things that I want to add, inshallah, in this in this discussion, um, and that is that you know there are certain principles that you'll find. Um, okay. So first question came through. So I'll just pause on that other point. Um, but basically, there's certain principles that you'll find. Inshallah, we'll, we, we can 
you know, these are these are things that need to be talked about more in depth. Um, but but one of the things when you talk about uh, cognition, when you talk about the way we think, oftentimes we um, we sort of let our mind control us too much, and we don't realize that we actually control our mind. And so one of the most powerful tools that we can that we can utilize in, in towards having you know better mental health and being more resilient is controlling the way we think, controlling what we focus on. You know, how do we think when we, when, we, when we interpret what's happening around us? You know, what's the filter that we use uh, in order to interpret it? You know, do we, do we have the type of, um, do, we, do we think in a healthy way or do we think in a way that actually uh, paralyzes us? So the way we think and changing the way we think is also something that I, that I try to cover a lot in, in, in my courses. All right, so the first question. Um, is it correct for people to say anyone suffering from depression is because they are not close to their faith? Surely it's a test. And, and this is exactly the point that, that, that I was getting at. And, and that's that some of, these, um, some of these slogans are extremely toxic and they are also false. It, it definitely is not true that being depressed means you're not close to your faith or you know, this idea that as long as you're close enough to Allah, you should never feel depression. Because as I mentioned, the human being is complicated. The human being is not just spiritual, but the human being is also psychological. The human being is a collection of experiences. The human being is a collection sometimes of trauma, unhealed trauma, unprocessed trauma. That, that doesn't allow a person to, to maybe break out of their depression. And it has nothing to do with their iman. It has to do, it's like saying, I'll give you an example. Um, imagine that a person gets shot, right? Um, you know, I'm in the UK, so it doesn't, maybe they get a knife wound, okay? Um, you all don't have as many guns as we do in America. So, so shot, they get shot with a gun or they get a knife wound. Now imagine that that person, you say to that person, okay, um, you know, just go, go and pray, um, you know, go and read Quran, you don't need to see a doctor. Right. You would never say that to that person. Yes, of course, you need to pray and you need to make dua and you will not get better except by the permission of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And it is by Allah that the doctor can 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 even heal you. Right. It's, it's Allah who actually heals you through the doctor. However, you would never tell that individual that you don't need to go to the doctor because you can pray. Right. And so it's the same thing with trauma, that trauma is like a, a gunshot wound. Trauma is like a knife wound. It has to be addressed. It has to be healed. You know, if somebody's been abused as a child or in their past at some point, that's not something that just goes away. And it's not, it has nothing to do with the level of Iman. It's like saying, you know, if you had better Iman, then your gunshot wound would just heal on its own. Right? That's, that's illogical. No one would say that. Your gunshot wound is not going to heal by the strength of your iman. That's not the way Allah designed the world, right? Yes, iman, it, it's incredible and it gives us incredible strength. But we cannot say that a person doesn't need to go to the doctor be, for the gunshot wound because they have iman. And so it's the same thing psychologically. When a person is suffering from depression, for example, or from anxiety, it's very important to dig deep and to figure out what is the root cause 
You know, it may be something that has to do with their past or has to do with abuse or trauma. It may be the way their thinking needs to change. And it may have nothing to do with their iman. One other thing I want to add here is that if you look at the Qur'an, you know, if you look, for example, in Surah Yusuf, you see that Yaqub alayhi salam, he says to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala after losing Yusuf and, 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 and then Binyamin at this point, he says, that indeed I complain of my suffering and my sadness to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So he had sadness. I mean, he was a prophet. And he was a prophet who had sabrun jameel. Again, there is this misunderstanding of sabr, right? That if you have sabr, that you would never feel sad or you will never grieve. But that isn't true because we know that Yaqub alayhi salam, he had, he had beautiful patience. Saburun Jameel, he had the epitome of patience, and yet he grieved uh, over the loss of his son. He had sadness that he complained to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala about. And now keep in mind, uh, scholars, you know, comment on this. It does, this doesn't mean that you can't go to others with your sadness. You can't, you know, go to a therapist or go to a friend. Rather, his particular situation is that the people around him were very unsupportive, right? They were, I mean... They were the people who caused this to happen, his, 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 other, his other sons. So it isn't that we can't go to other people, but he didn't have someone else that he, that, you know, someone else who was supportive uh, among the, the, the human beings that were around him. Look at Muhammad, when he went through one of the most traumatic sort of, sort of like intense experiences of his life, uh, when he first got the revelation, that was really intense for him. Imagine he, he never knew what was happening. And, and, and where did he go for comfort? He went to Khadija, عنها, right? And we know this in the, in the Quran, where he says, Zemmiluni, uh, you know, cover me. He came to his wife and he said, cover me, wrap me. So he went to her for comfort. You know, so, so this idea that we can't go to people is, is untrue. It's important that we, we put our dependence on Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. It's important, you know, for our tawheed that we understand that the healing ultimately comes from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. He is a shafi. He's the one who saves. He is the one who heals. But Allah puts tools in the, in, in the dunya. And one of the tools might be a therapist, might be a friend, might be a family member. So we can go to people and remember, even prophets grieved and prophets felt sadness. And prophets cried. You know, when you go back to looking at the example of, of Yaqub alayhi salam, uh, you know, he, again, he had sabrun jameel, he had beautiful patience. And sometimes we think that if you have beautiful patience, you shouldn't cry, right? You shouldn't feel sad. You shouldn't grieve. You know, you just get over it, right? It's like telling a person who just broke their leg, you know, walk it off. Just, just get over it already, right? Without any treatment, without a cast, without crutches, you know. It doesn't work like that. You know, trauma is, is real. Trauma is just as real as breaking your leg. It's just as real as a gunshot wound or a knife wound. So there has to be a process of healing and it has to be done in the right way, through the right means. And that means comes from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Yes, Allah is in control of that means, but it is the design of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. The divine design is that we must use the means, right? Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala could have made us wake up in the morning and just be completely satiated. But he made it such that we need to eat food and drink water. 
That is the means that he created, not because he needed it, but that is his design, right? And it's the same thing with healing. It's the same thing with, with, with trauma, that Allah has made a, a system um, of, of healing and, and using the means as part of our worship. Okay, so tying of the camel, right, with our trust in Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala as part of our worship. So essentially here, um, you know, understanding that and, and, and taking away this idea, this stigma, um, you know, if you had enough iman, you would just get over it. You wouldn't have depression. You wouldn't, you wouldn't cry. That's a very, very uh, toxic and it's false. Uh, Prophet Yaqub he cried when he was grieving and he cried so much he lost his vision. His, his, his eyes became white, literally, like that's the, the terminology, the, the literal um, translation, meaning that he lost his vision from how much he cried and how much he grieved. And yet he had sabr. So it is not a contradiction to sabr necessarily to be uh, crying and grieving because sabr is an act of the heart. You know, and, and, and of course, a sabr is also an act of the limbs as long as we're not doing something haram, something against the sharia, you know, things that, that have been prohibited in our grief, the, the slapping of the face, the tearing of the cloaks, whatever, you know, the, 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 that the limbs must be in obedience to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. But grief itself is, is to be human, you know, to, to, to grieve is to be human. And, and Allah is the one who created tears. And Allah is the one who created crying. If you look actually biologically, um, tears themselves remove a lot of stress. You know, they found that the composition of tears is very specific and miraculous. Tears actually contain stress hormone in them, meaning that the process of crying, of releasing tears, actually reduces your stress. SubhanAllah. This is, who do you think designed that? I didn't design that. You didn't design that. That's Allah. So the process of crying and, and re the, the release of tears is something Allah designed. It doesn't mean that you don't have iman. It doesn't mean that you're weak. It doesn't mean that you don't have enough tawakkul or all these terrible things that we say to people which are, which are very false and very, very toxic. So, 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 so we need to understand sabr is in the heart. It does not, it is to, it is to accept the, the, the decision of Allah to not complain against Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala or his decree but that doesn't mean we don't feel grief and we don't feel sadness and we don't cry that is to be human Prophet Muhammad sallam, went through Am al-Huzm the year of sadness when he lost Khadija anha, and his uncle uh, Abu Talib because he loved them and he lost someone he loved and so he went through a year of sadness he went through uh, that grief. So this is this is not a contradiction of iman, and it is not a contradiction of sub. Okay, the question here: Can a narcissist narcissistic person change? I'm going to give a really uh, quick answer to that to that question, only if they want to. <laughs> so it, it, it's essential, you know, just like really all kind of change in life, right? Is that um, we have to want it. We have to. We have to want that change. We have to work for that change. So if a person is um, doesn't think there is a problem to begin with, how can they possibly change? Right. So that's really kind of the answer to it. Is you know, does this person want to change? Does this person even acknowledge that there is a need for change? And if the answer is no, if they don't even acknowledge the need for change, 
then no, they're not going to change because they don't even think that there is any need, there's any problem. Oftentimes, one of the hallmark sort of traits, one of the hallmark um, characteristics of uh, a narcissistic individual is that they think that the problem is everyone else. They, they aren't the problem. Everyone else has the problem. So there's a lot of victim uh, victimization of themselves, right, that they play the victim. And there's a lot of blame uh, put on others. So if you feel that you are the one who is being wronged and you are the person who um, is the victim and everyone else is wrong, then then why would you change? You don't believe there's any need to change uh, because you are the innocent victim in every situation. So no, um, not unless they acknowledge the need for change. Okay. Um, can we go no contact with a narcissistic family member? Basically, the general rule here, and, and there are several questions about narcissism, so inshallah that helps. Um, the general rule, uh, you know, when it comes to cutting um, anybody off, especially family members who, who, who obviously have a right upon us, Salat Rahim, to, to connect to the ties of kinship, is um, when it's a case of self-preservation, then yes, you can, you can distance yourself. And if it's necessary, cut off ties. Uh, but it's, it's a matter of self-preservation. So it's really, uh, it just depends on the situation, right? If it's a matter of, of an abusive situation, and this is something, um, you know, very important message uh, to, to share. And that is that, that um, our religion does not condone abuse. You know, there's this unfortunately very, very toxic understanding of sub as being uh, putting up with abuse or being passive about abuse. And that's absolutely false because uh, our religion does not condone abuse or injustice of any sort. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says that he, um, he does not allow injustice from himself and he does not allow it from, from his creation. So Allah does not um, approve of any kind of injustice. So we cannot also uh, approve of injustice. We cannot allow injustice. To continue, so that injustice is abuse. Abuse is injustice. It is what is uh, termed in the in the Quran as zulm. Zulm is is one of the most um, hated things by Allah Subhanahu wa Taala. Is to be unjust and 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 to abuse a person uh, is is zulm. And Allah Subhanahu wa Taala punishes for zulm very severely. So we have to be very conscious uh, that that we don't become um, complicit. In, in Dhulm, that we don't support or allow it to continue uh, from any direction, right? That we stand up against injustice, that if we are being abused or we see others being abused, that we take action against it. This is what is prescribed in our deen. When the Prophet ﷺ said in a sound hadith, if you see something wrong, then try to change it with your hand. And if you cannot, then try to change it with your tongue by speaking out against it. And if you cannot, then at least hate it in your heart. And this is the weakest of faith or iman. So part of our iman is taking action against injustice, trying to stop uh, a, a something wrong that is occurring. You know, the Prophet ﷺ said in another sound hadith, help your brother if he is an oppressor or he is oppressed. So he's saying help him if he is the one doing the dhulm or he is being mazloom, he is, he is being oppressed himself. So the companion said, well, we know how, you know, we know how to help if he is oppressed. How do we help if he's the oppressor? And the Prophet ﷺ said, by stopping him from oppressing. By stopping him from oppressing. This is a command by the Prophet ﷺ, that when you when someone is being an oppressor, 
if that person's your husband or that person's your father, or if that person's your, your child, your son, whoever, your neighbor, your brother, your sister, that, that, the, that we're commanded by the Prophet to, to help them by stopping them from oppressing. That's actually how we are helping them is to stop the oppression, to take action against the oppression. So this is not a religion of turn the other cheek, swallow the poison, keep a smile on your face, you know, brush it under the rug. None of that is from, that is, that is alien to our, our deen. That is not part of our religion. Our religion is one of justice and one of action. That we take action uh, when there is injustice. And this is something that we are rewarded for. So, so it's very, very important to understand in the case of um, when there is abuse, yes, we, we, we distance or cut ourselves off depending on what is necessary for self-preservation. And of course, we do what we can when we can to keep contact as much as we can with family members, of course, as long it is, as it is not harmful. Okay, that's the overall principle. Yes, salat rahim is extremely important in our deen to keep the ties of kinship but only so long as it is not harmful, okay? Okay. Um, and, and to just clarify here, can we, can we do no contact with a narcissistic family member? Again, it depends on is there harm there? Is the person abusive? You know, it, it, again, it, it depends on whether or not there is um, a need for self-preservation and, 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 and and then it depends on um, the level and, and, of course, what is best given that situation. But remember that self-preservation uh, is, is, is essential here and is, it becomes a primary uh, focus. So question, um, are desires a form of mental health? Um, how to deal with teenage mental health? Um, what to do when your spouse does not understand your mental health? Um, can narcissism be cured? I'm just taking a look to see if we can, inshallah, cover as much as possible. How do you find that you have unhealed trauma? Okay, how can the trauma be left? How can the trauma of being left by a mother as a child be healed? How do we educate certain communities about therapy? Okay, I'm going to take um, some of these and I'll combine, inshallah, what I can. Let me go ahead and take this one. How can the trauma of being left by a mother as a child be healed? And the how do you find out that you have unhealed trauma? Um, how do we educate certain communities? Okay, uh, about therapy. So it's so kind of all related to healing trauma um, and, and therapy. So, so the answer to the question of how do we heal the unhealed trauma of being left by the mother as a child? And the answer is therapy, inshallah. That, that first and foremost, and, and I want to inshallah give a holistic picture here. First and foremost, remember, it is Allah who heals. It is Allah who is a shafi and Allah who saves. So first and foremost, we go to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and we ask Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to heal us, Allah to heal our hearts, Allah to mend. Allah is al, Allah is a shafi and Allah is al-jabbar. Allah al-jabbar means the one who mends, the one who fixes it and mends it better than before it was broken. That's who Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is. So we go to him first. And then after going to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, then we go to the creation, we go and we get therapy, inshallah. And we ask Allah to make the therapy effective to heal us. And yes, it can be healed. You know, many people have healed, um, you know, this type of trauma, trauma of neglect, trauma of abandonment, trauma of abuse, 
uh, and, and they have healed. And so definitely never lose hope. Uh, you know, it's, it's something that you can definitely heal from, but it's important to, to go through that proper process. Just like a person who breaks their leg, there's a process of healing, right? You need to go and get the bone fixed. You need to get a cast. You need to be on crutches for a while. You can't just say, okay, I went to the doctor. I'm going to go run a marathon tomorrow. You need to give the body, you know, time to heal. Similarly, you need to give yourself time to heal and go through that process of healing. Uh, don't be impatient with yourself. Have compassion for yourself and also have hope. It can be healed, uh, but just go through that process and make sure that you're asking Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala for help along the way. And this, this applies, you know, generally to any kind of unhealed trauma. Someone asked, how do we know that we have unhealed trauma? Well, you know, sometimes you're going to know, and this is actually a very um, interesting question and an interesting point. It's, it's in fact, interestingly enough, it's sort of the, 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 the foundation of, inshallah ta'ala, the new book that I'm working on, um, which is that when we have pain, the pain itself is an indication that something needs to be healed. So it's interesting because a lot of times we go through life just trying to avoid pain. You know what I'm saying? Like nobody likes to feel pain. Nobody likes to feel uncomfortable. It's something as human beings, we, we do anything to avoid. We'll do anything to numb it, right? You feel pain, you take a paracetamol, you take a Tylenol, you take, you know, you take some pain medication to numb it. Some people have different types of numbing agents in their life. Some people go to actually technology. Some people will go to, um, you know, some people hide in their careers. Um, you know, some people hide in, in, in drugs or alcohol or physical uh, pleasure. I mean, people, people will become addicted to various things. And these addictions, a lot of them are in order to numb the pain, in order to hide from the pain, in order to cover up the gunshot wound, to cover up the knife wound with a Band-Aid and not have to feel it. And then to take the, the medication, the paracetamol, the, the Tylenol, you don't have to feel the pain. So to answer your question, how do we know that there is unhealed trauma? Well, you're going to know because you're going to be in pain. You're going to feel it. You're going to know because you're not going to be happy. You're going to have uh, symptoms like depression. You're going to have symptoms like anxiety. You're going to have symptoms like trust issues. That's not something that's supposed to be there. You're going to have trouble, um, you know, trusting people. You're going to have trouble in your relationship. You're going to have trouble with intimacy. You're going to have trouble um, with your parenting. You're going to have trouble with your, you know, your, 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 your job. You're going to see the manifestations of that trauma in your life and in your, and in your, and internally, you're not going to have peace. You know, you're going to, so, so these symptoms, these various manifestations of pain uh, that you're going to see, whether that's anxiety or depression or problems in your relationship problems, sometimes it's going to manifest as physical uh, ailments. You're going to have maybe digestive, a lot of digestive issues, ulcers, um, migraines, co constant headaches, co you know, various different physical manifestations. So the trauma manifests in various, it, it's always going to show 
its head, but in different ways. And so you'll definitely know um, in, in that there's something wrong. You're not going to be at peace. Uh, you're you're going to see those symptoms. And so you're going to need to go deep and, and try to heal at the root. What is the cause of this? You know, and that's why I really, you know, we talk about, so, so, The main message of the book is that when you have pain, uh, you the pain itself is an alert that there's something that needs to be healed. And so we have to look deep at which element has gone wrong. Is it the physical element, the spiritual element, uh, the, the cognitive or the mental element, or is it our environment? Which, at which part, you know, at wh which element of the human being um, in order to have this healthy flourishing, which one has the issue? Which one has has the the deficit? And you go and you fix it there. And it, and it may be more than one element. Maybe you're living in an abusive home. Maybe you're in an abusive relationship. So of course you're going to be depressed. Of course you're going to have anxiety until you leave that abusive relationship. Until you leave that abusive home, you're going to continue to have uh, anxiety or depression, perhaps. And even if you're taking medication, you're only just numbing the symptoms, but you're not getting at the root cause uh, of, of that, um, that pain, because that's what depression is. It's pain manifesting. It's anxiety is pain manifesting. The question is, what is the root cause and addressing the root cause and not just numbing the symptoms. So, so really, um, to answer your question, it's, it's really about looking deep and, and, and seeing the, the pain that you're experiencing, the, the suffering that you're experiencing. It's just an alarm going off, telling you, and it's like the example I use in the book is like a smoke alarm. The smoke alarm is just telling you there's a fire in the house, right? And a lot of us, we hear a smoke alarm. The first thing we want to do is we want it to shut up, right? So like you could just go and take out the batteries, but you haven't solved the problem. You just, you made it stop. You made, you know, in this case, you made the pain maybe stop. You numbed it. Maybe you took something for it. But the actual problem is the fire in the house. And until you address the fire in the house, you may not have to hear the alarm anymore, but your house is going to burn down. So it's very, very important that we're not just taking out the batteries from our pain, right? We're not just trying to numb the pain, but we're also addressing the root cause of the pain. And this is where sometimes definitely therapy might come in. It really depends on what is the cause. Where in these four elements of the human being is the breakdown? Is it a biological? Is it a psychological? Is it uh, a spiritual? Or is it something in your environment? Is it your, is it your relationship? Is it your home that is toxic? Is it your, um, your environment that is toxic? Is it your companionship that is toxic? So inshallah, I hope that, um, you know, I can see many of you, inshallah, in person um, in these next two weeks during, during my UK tour. I hope a lot of you I can see, inshallah, um, who aren't located here in the UK, um, inshallah, I can, I can um, hook up with you, inshallah, at YMTV, um, where I will be doing these sessions on a regular basis, um, just exclusively for um, members, and inshallah, taking your questions live, uh, and, and inshallah, really hoping to share جزاكم الله خيرا أقول قولي هذا واستغفر الله لي ولكم إنه غفور رحيم 
سبحانك الله وبحمدك أشهد أن لا إله إلا أنت أستغفرك وأتوب إليك السلام عليكم ورحمة الله وبركاته